Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for February 13th, 2023. We are celebrating <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Philadelphia Eagles last night in Super Bowl 57, or in Mike's case, not celebrating the Eagles' <sighs> loss. <laughs> what a night! Make the COVID go away, my friend. <laughs> Putting it in every orifice. Taking the pain away. We'll turn it off my ankle, too, so I can feel like Mahomes. I can feel like a champion. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Please uh, feel free to ask us questions about last night's game if you're watching live on Twitch or YouTube. Uh, so it was a really great game for 58 minutes. I mean, I think it was sort of a contender for greatest Super Bowl ever, especially if you like offense. And then the last two minutes were massively anticlimactic. Yeah, you know, as for as even as an Eagles fan, it's like this is exhilarating. The back and forth is exhilarating. You, you you get that, you know, you respect the opponent even as you're if you're rooting for your team. And I, the end of it, and like we could talk about the the penalty or whatever. It was like getting a breakup text. <laughs> like if you have a breakup fight, you walk away from it and say, "Well, I got my emotions out and I said my piece, and I now know we're done." If you have a breakup sad conversation, it's like at least. At least we respected each other that much. The breakup text is like, screw you. Nah, it's over. Goodbye. You don't even get a chance to process it. And, and that's the, I think that's the feeling uh, of Eagles fans. I, you know, I talked to some people this morning. It's a feeling that the call doesn't cost the Eagles the game. The, the, it costs the Eagles a chance. It costs right. the Eagles an opportunity to make, to make some kind of statement at the end of the game. And that's why it's a breakup text. Like, I don't even get to tell you how I feel because you just said, boop, and then mute. And that was the end. It would have been a much more fulfilling ending with the same result. Yes. If they had not called the holding penalty. Yes. Kansas City had kicked a field goal and then Philadelphia had not made it down the field and Kansas City won. Like right. Kansas City still would have won, but at least there would have been that feeling like, oh, Philly got their last shot. Like the officials yeah. didn't decide this game. And I know that Bradbury said after the game that it was a penalty that he did hold. The problem is that they didn't call holding of that type for most of the game. And then they all of a sudden, like it is a penalty, but they weren't calling it for most of the game. And then all of a sudden at the end, they called it that it's the consistency. That's the problem. Not that they called a phantom penalty. It, it, that's exactly it. You know, and I, I talked to Mike Pereira this week when I was out there and I've talked to him in the past and it's a big bugaboo for him and a big bugaboo for the NFL. The NFL never wants to be like the NBA and NHL that swallow the whistles in the fourth quarter or swallow the, the, the whistles in the playoffs. That mentality is anathema to the NFL. Pereira hates it. The league hates it. So it's like, we're calling this game consistently. So, you know, Greg Olson was saying it. I think a lot of us were saying it. Fans were saying they should let them play in the fourth quarter, let them play in the fourth quarter. The NFL doesn't think that, but you're right. They should let them play as much as at the very least, as much as they played for the first three quarters. You can't tell me that was the first defensive hold on both teams. And if that penalty right. gets called in the first quarter once or twice or second quarter once or twice, it's like, aha, we know how this game's being called. And Bradbury might know to, like, you know, back off and take his chances or whatever on that play. Instead, we get what we get. And yeah, just from a, from a neutral observer fan point, that had to feel like a damp squid at the end of the game. Yeah, it really it felt like, oh, like this is how we're going to end it. It felt a little dirty. Yeah. Like, like yeah. oh, like. 
we were supposed to get like a big comeback drive at the end. And I mean, right. it would have been better if uh, Juju had just caught the pass and scored the touchdown because then Philly would have been down seven. Right. But they would have had the chance to come back. And then that would have been exhilarating. That would have been exhilarating. And, you know, I almost wanted like the Eagles are the innovators of the push sneak. I almost wanted them to go out and push Pacheco into the end zone when he ran to the one yard line on the yeah i think it was mckinnon but mckinnon deserves credit for knowing to slide yes and not it's got to be pretty hard to um hold back from scoring the the game-winning touchdown in a super bowl yes yes and that's a credit to him i'm sure the coaches were in his ear a little bit beforehand if you get this go down whatever but like i almost wanted somebody to come up from behind like no i'm pushing you in (laughs) <laughs> we're going to bring uh, uh, Dallas Scott and everybody on the field to push you into the end zone like your Jalen Hurts just to get the game to continue. Yeah. I, let's give Kansas City credit for a few things, though, right? Like oh, things that are not the holding part. Okay. So, number one, the fact that Mahomes was not sacked all game. Yes. The offensive line did not do a fantastic job. Because Mahomes was definitely under pressure, but Mahomes did a fantastic job of not letting any of those pressures turn into sacks. A hundred percent. I think the interior line kept the uh, the middle pressure. I know Wiley had a great game from really collapsing the pocket yeah. a few times, um, but a lot of that was Mahomes. But by, by the way, at the, after the game, I don't know if you were on the Discord anymore. I was on the Discord later, and it was kind of turning into you know Mahomes really wasn't that great in the second half. And I was like, no, he was, he was that great. I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that sort of process. He was fantastic. Right. Right. I feel like we, we, be, we become sort of highlight damaged. And if it's not Josh Allen throwing a 95 yard pass, uh, you know, into threading a needle or whatever, it's not a great play. Second half was full of great Mahomes plays on yeah. the robo ankle or whatever he was dealing with. Uh, you know, um, Another thing to give Kansas City credit for, the Philadelphia running game had been fantastically, historically efficient in the second half of the season. Yes. And they kept the running backs to, what, 45 carries on 17 yards? I mean, Hurts got carries and got yards, but the running backs did not. They bottled up Sanders and Gainwell and Boston Scott, like, pretty significantly. They bottled them up. They prevented them from getting a lot of chunk yards on first down. There were a couple of times when there were runs like on like a third and six run where the Eagles were like, ha-ha, we're going to get five yards and do a sneak, and they got stopped for a yard or two. That's very yep, yep. Look like they bought, they bottled up a couple other things. The RPOs, there were a couple of times where uh, the RPO goes and Hertz is looking for his guy and his the, the receiver's not open. So Hertz had to kind of run out of bounds or kind of throw the ball away. That happened a couple of times. And there were – at least two middle screen attempts to Goddard that got just completely blown up timing wise and, and led to absolutely nothing. And these are plays where it's like Goddard's going to get the ball at Kelsey and, and, you know, Dixon in front of him and he's going to clobber people. And it never yeah. happened. I talked so much about Kansas City being weak in the short middle of the field mm-hmm. and the Eagles never threw there. Right. Like, other than those couple of weird Goddard screens that didn't work. Right. The Eagles never threw to the short middle. They just didn't do it. Right. There was very little of that. There were a few t- situations where it was the A.J. Brown slant. Yeah, but no, the- AJ, no A.J. Brown crosses, just slant. Right. Just the, just the slant. So uh, for whatever reason, they didn't feel comfortable attacking there. Now, part of it was they were attacking very well elsewhere. But the cu- I mean, this was a game where a couple of stops make a difference. You know, a, a punt here, a punt there, a field goal there. 
was the outcome of this game for the Eagles offense, and they didn't optimize it. The other thing to give the Chiefs credit for is the two goal line plays that were essentially the same play where the guy went in motion behind another receiver and then came back outside and nobody covered him. And the first time they did it, it was, oh, the thing is that the dude motioned behind Travis Kelsey and all the attention was on Travis Kelsey and therefore the guy was open. The second time they did it, he motioned behind Marquez Valdez-Scantling and they still didn't cover that guy. Yeah. Huh? Orlovsky broke it down this morning. Okay. And it was a shift where the corner covering the motion guy was supposed to rotate back to safety. Safety rotates over to corner. That was the design of the Eagles' defense. So when the corner runs back to safety, by the time Kadiris Tony or uh, Moore turns back around, you've got a corner like up here, so like they're going in two different directions. So the first time, it's like, well, that's that's a brilliant concept, Andy Reid. The second time, well, it's still a brilliant concept. But come on, Jonathan Gannon, come on, Eagles. This is the Super Bowl. This the stakes are high. This little thing has been exposed. He he can't give up two wide open touchdowns at the five yard line. You just absolutely can't. Uh, yes, Todd. They asked 100%. Yeah. They saw, and Dan Orlovsky, you can watch the video on Twitter, and he really breaks it down. They saw on previous plays. Like on previous plays, you can see the Eagles reacting to that motion in a similar way every time. So it's like, oh, you just did, the, did it. Let's see if you do it again. And that's how we got Yeah. It. Todd Singer asked if they saw something on film that made them run those plays at the goal line. And the answer is yes. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about Gannon? I know that most Eagles fans are ready to hang him after they had, you know, the great defense from the regular season had a bad performance last night. I think some of it, I think some of it was the field, right? Like, I think that the slipperiness of the field, much like the snow between Buffalo and Cincinnati, made things hard on the passer. Yeah, I think when you can't get footing, it does, it's advantage offensive line. They can step set and the other guy is trying to like run and duck and, and things like that. There's a little bit of that. You know, Gannon has inherited this shell, this incredible edge rush, great tackles, great corners, this shell where he gets to play a relatively conservative defense a lot of the times. I I don't I don't know what he adds. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I'm not gonna condemn him. What, yeah. what is he really adding though? That's the question. I, I I've had, I've got to admit, I'm a little surprised that he is the leader for the Cardinals coaching job. Right. Well, they're also apparently considering Captain Lou Albano from the uh, Bengals, uh, Lou Aramano, right. um, who uh, is another coordinator who looked bad earlier in his career, got more, a little more talent around him and looked good and looked very good this year. Um, but I, I'm surprised why I'm not surprised. I don't know how good the Arizona Cardinals process for finding a head coach has been. So, yeah, Eagles fans are upset that, that Shane Steichen is about to become the Colts head coach. Not as upset about Jonathan Gannon leaving. Yeah. As Mike Kurtz point out, Mike Kurtz says it would be a blessing for the Eagles if Jonathan Gannon gets the Cardinals job. Yeah, and but you have to worry about drain, drain in general. This is a young coaching staff, and even younger set of coaches is coming in. It'd be nice to hear like some old head brought in to be like senior defensive assistant or something. I think that would probably be a boon for the Eagles. Yeah, a lot of talk today about Mahomes. You know, like we said, he really was great in the second half last night. Uh, the DVOA numbers. The DVOA numbers thought Kansas City won this game by a lot. Really? Yeah. And the main reason for that is efficiency. The success rate for the Chiefs, especially in the second half, they had a 68% success rate. Basically, the Eagles kept converting difficult third and longs, Mm -hmm. whereas the Chiefs just never got to third down in the first place because they were so successful on first and second down. 
Okay. So it brings brought up a lot of Mahomes' legacy talk, and uh, I mean, you wrote in walkthrough about the, the Mahomes era that yeah. you know if he had if he had just won the one Super Bowl, there was a possibility that like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, there would always be the the, the idea that he never quite fulfilled his promise, and now that he's won two, nobody yeah. can argue with the idea that he's fulfilled his promise. Right, right. The, the Onion did a joke like that. Uh, this is the last time a Chiefs Super Bowl can be fun. Yeah, because yeah, because so now on there the Patriots, etc., and then that's fine. Um, but like the troll food, the potential for troll food had the Chiefs lost in this round or last last round would have been really extreme and. I like the fact that there is no potential for troll food, that we can start talking about Mahomes' top 10 all-time, top five all-time, that this yeah. is such an unassailable event, what he's done over the last couple of weeks on the injuries, et cetera. I mean, that, there, like, yeah. there's a lot of talk already about the idea that he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And my feeling of that is, what do you mean? Got right? It. Like, I always talk about the fact that greatest of all time is really two different things. Who was the greatest at their peak? Mm-hmm. And who was the greatest over the course of their career? Right. And the greatest at their peak, I think Mahomes is in contention. I could put him in a conversation because you take Brady's peak, and there's like three mini peaks there. Yeah, and Manning's peak of like 2003 to 2007. And, and, and Rogers's peak. Yeah, um, and Marino. Yeah, and Ken Stabler for like two or three. If you're doing peaks, like Ken Stabler for two or three years. Like there's a, And the, yeah, the Marino peak, et cetera. And I think Mahomes' peak belongs in there. But of course – Career value, and then like the idea that you have to merge peak and career at some level. Yeah, there's a long way to go before Mahomes gets to Brady in career value. Like, right. don't assume just because he's won two that he's going to win like four more and that he's going to be good until his 40s. No assuming. Do not right. count your chickens before they hatch on that one. Right. I mean, if you want to start talking about Mount Rushmore's and you want to say, well, you know, how how is Elway any better? Like that's a conversation that you could have. How is Marino any better than Mahomes? But yeah, the, the Brady bar's a little high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael, uh, first of all, Todd Singer asks if Shane Steichen counts as a Reich tree hire for the Colts. I think so, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't see why not. Uh, Michael Bunda says the questionable challenge and then settling for and missing a field goal. Do you think Reed got out coached, even though the second half offense was great? I think he made a couple mistakes early. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the challenge was that questionable. The field goal attempt, I think, was a mistake. Yeah, I would go with that absolutely. And I mean, the funny thing is that the numbers don't suggest that it was really a big mistake. That it was like a tiny mistake. Mm-hmm. It looks like a much bigger mistake because Butker doinked the thing, right? But in reality, because it was like fourth and three, I think, not like fourth and one. And it ends right. a place where you make a lot of field. It, it ended up uh, that the numbers say it's not really a huge mistake. Um, but uh, the, the, the interesting fourth down decision that the numbers really wanted to go was actually when the Eagles were in their own end of the field on fourth and three in the, in the fourth yes. quarter, and that was when Aaron Sipos had the really bad punt. Yeah, bad I mean, punt, worse coverage. Brian put the probabilities on the on the Twitch stream uh, on the Discord stream, and it's like that was that was a go for it situation. Yeah, that was a go for it situation. In the past, the Eagles the Eagles are not actually that aggressive on their side of midfield. I, I looked it up because I propped at it, 
Um, but like that would have been the case to do it. And you're right. It's a punt, which is a questionable decision. Sipos has a bad habit of playoff miscue punts. I mean, this is sort of like. He had 57 on his first punt. So I was like, maybe he's not fully healthy, but his first punt was really good. But that punt was bad. I would say he's an inconsistent punter. It was a bad punt. Tony gets the return. And then like, and at that point, you talk about Reed. At that point, Reed, Spags, and let's maybe throw Dave Taub in there. Are out coaching the Eagles trio significantly throughout that second half, in my opinion. I would agree with the commenters who are talking about how Patrick Mahomes is way more fun than Brady. Yes. And you can see the baseball background and how he plays, and it's yes. a lot more fun. Like yes. I like, I mean, it was fun for me as a Patriots fan to have right. Brady do the thing he does. But I understand that for the, you know, it was less fun for the rest of the league. That yeah. being said, no matter how much fun Mahomes is, he's going to become the villain. The what? He's going to become the oh, yeah. villain for every yeah. Bills fan, for every Bengals fan, for the three or four Chargers fans. Like, <laughs> like they're going to have to get past him for the next 10 years. Right. And it's people are going to, to get angry at him. Yeah. And stuff that seems... Fun now is going to seem obnoxious in 10 years. Agreed. Agreed. And and like Kelsey's, oh, we were underdogs and no one believed in us. That's already like, okay, come on. Nobody didn't believe in you except some Lots people. Lots of people believed in the Chiefs. I know I picked them. Right, right. About half of us believed in the Chiefs. And the people who picked the Eagles, like me, believed in the Chiefs. They just figured, right. well, it's going to be neck and neck and it's going to come out this way. So that part's already grading. And part of the thing with the Patriots is Belichick's like – you know, winning championships is a grim and serious business. You know, this is right. Like- Whereas Andy Reid is fun. Andy yes. Reid is a little goofy, and that's fun. And right. that's more fun for fans of the other teams. Right, exactly. And, and for a national fan to, to look at. But you're right. He will become the villain as these years go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Flynn Haggerty says, weirdly, the Patriots seemed more fun in the 2000s when Brady in his game manager phase. Yes, it's because you had not gotten sick of them yet. That's Remember, right. in 2001, the Patriots were the team everybody was rooting for. Yes. And yes. the Rams were the bad guy. Yes. And it was a spunky underdog. And then it's like, what a well-run overall process this is. Right. And then in 2007, it's like, holy crap, they've just basically broken the league. <laughs> and then, But then the second decade of it comes in, and it's like, okay, we're tired of this. There's the scandals. There's all that thing coming in. And it's just like, okay, we're do- we're done here. We're done hearing about how the he's the goat of goat of goat of goat of goats. Let's right. talk about something else. And on this same line of discussion, the Chiefs are the favorites for next year, and rightly so. Yes, I pulled up. Yeah, yeah, I, I joked about it in walkthrough. Like I-, I wanted to go back, and this is about forty-five minutes after kickoff, and it's like, yeah, I put a bunch of prop bets in. I was like, I'll, I'll write about the prop bets, and I go to DraftKings. You know, and it's like half hour after the Super Bowl, and they've got a, a a women's tennis match from wherever in the world, Dubai or someplace like that. Up, like the Super Bowl never happened. It's time to vote. It's time to bet on women's tennis. But but you know, because the sports book doesn't do reviews. It's 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 what are you going to bet on now? So what women's tennis is off to the side right now. We have team futures. You can bet right now Super Bowl twenty four, and you can get the Chiefs plus six hundred. Get the Bills. Plus 700, 49ers plus 800, Bengals plus 900, Eagles plus 900, or those Dallas Cowboys 
at plus 1,400. Like anything? Uh, it makes sense to me because those were the six best teams this year. Yeah. And there shouldn't be huge changes for any of them. Obviously, the Eagles have some players, some veterans that are going to leave, but they're still going to have Hurts, and they're still going to have Brown and uh, and Devontae Smith. And um, the, uh, the way too early DVOA projections will probably have Buffalo number one because we had Buffalo number one for this year. But I fully agree with the idea that the Chiefs are probably a better bet to win the Super Bowl because at this point, nobody should question Mahomes in the playoffs. Right. Um, so, I mean, none of those lines really surprised me uh, yeah. at all. Agree. None of them surprised me, and none of them had me running to place a super early futures bet. Like, oh, this is this is offline and I'm getting value. Uh, let me throw a couple others at you. This is teams of interest, otherwise known as teams that click. Uh, Jets at plus 2,800. Packers at plus 3,000. Interesting that the Jets... <laughs> better odds than the Packers. Yeah. Giants at plus 4,000. The Norsemen of Fraudulence, the Vikings at plus 4,500. And your hometown, New England Patriots at plus 6,000. And also the Brady Lewis Bucks were. Yeah. I had mentioned to Mike on our Slack, but uh, somebody tweeted the, uh, the bets, uh, the lines from Fox Bet, which is Fox Sports' betting app. And they had the Buccaneers 10th, which sounded insane. And I was like, there's no way any other book has that. And the answer is, there is, in fact, no way that any other book has that. The Buccaneers are a bad bet. Bad bet. And there's probably, it could have been a week old or two week old uh, thing that someone pulled out and tweeted. Or they haven't adjusted. Or maybe there's like this, some some books are hedging against the Brady return. Even though I don't think he would go back to the Yeah, I, I think at this point he's... You know, we talked about this in an earlier show that the emotion that he showed when he announced uh, the retirement was very different than it was last year. It was. The whole and also, time. given the cap situation in Tampa, if Brady did come back, why would he want to go back to Tampa? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, right. You know, given the Chiefs and the quality of the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills, I would stay away from any of those AFC long shots. I guess I like the idea of either the Cowboys at 1,400 mm-hmm. or the Lions, wherever they are. Plus 3,000. Yeah, I mean, surprise team to come out of the NFC, Lions, maybe. I'll have my eye on the Lions divisional props and some of the other props along the way. I mean, it's a, it's a big rise to get them all the yeah. way to the Super Bowl from where they are now. They are but- going to add defensive talent. They have plenty of cap space, and all those defensive free agents that get cut by other teams, like Levante David and whatnot, James Bradbury, like either either that don't get cut or don't or get cut or don't get resigned. A lot of those guys are going to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, you're right. Now you can get them by the way to win the NFC at plus eleven hundred. If your idea is they can win that conference, and it's theoretical, especially with what you're describing. But I don't see them beating you know Barrow Mahomes uh, Allen team. Plus eleven hundred, yeah. you hedge it a little bit. Yeah, it, the NFC, the the difference between the NFC seem and AFC seems pretty strong at this point. Not at the top of the conference, right. but in the middle of the conference. Yeah, right. Like you, you, you would like the middle teams of the AFC much better than the middle teams of the NFC. Yes, the Chargers and yeah, the Dolphins. 
and maybe the Jets if they get Rodgers. The Steelers hanging around manufacturing wins. Ravens. Eshawn puts himself together. The Ravens if yeah. they're now a middle team. As opposed to, I guess, the Giants. The Seahawks. Uh, the Lions. The right. And the bottom tier is like catastrophic. The NFC South all looks like a mess. The yes. Saints are finally going to pay the piper this year. Well, Derek Carr said no. That's that's a pretty uh, – that's a piper. Well, I don't know if Derek Carr said no to playing for the Saints or he pl- said no to letting the Raiders get compensation for him to play with yeah. the Saints. Right, right. Well, um, he's going to go on the market and somebody's going to outbid the Saints for his services. Yeah, because the Saints have no money. Right. And if the Saints try to create the money, they will destroy themselves. They will – I don't know. Those the keys to the Superdome, or, or the keys to the French Quarter will have to go. So. And I guess this this demonstrates the um, circle of life in the NFL, which is we had a Super Bowl last night, and the Chiefs won the championship. And here we are talking about next year, the next day. We are into the off season. I I didn't load up my draft prep yet, but I was definitely loading up loading up my off season little off season preview. Yes, yeah, so it is less than. 12 hours? No, it's, it's like 14, 16 hours ago. You are still in the city. You are yes, still in the I'm city. I'm still in Phoenix. I'm in the lobby of the Courtyard Hotel, official hotel of Super Bowl 57. <laughs> Courtyard by Marriott. I'll tell you what, after the Eagles won Super Bowl, L-I-I, whatever it was, I was doing a radio sting from the hotel in Minneapolis, and it was not It was not 12 hours later. So the game ended at 11. It was like 9 in the morning. I'm on the radio. Eagles just won. This is the most elating thing I've ever seen in my life and the radio host is like so what do you think they do with carson Wentz and nick Foles? how do they untangle that knot huh and it's like can we enjoy anything can we have nice things do we have to go into the controversy immediately you know there's still confetti falling let's let's let the confetti settle on the ground then we can worry about the controversy turned out he had a point but i stand by mine yeah well i mean we shouldn't you know talking about next year and giving some hope to fans from Detroit and Dallas. It shouldn't take away from Kansas city and what they did and their fans get to celebrate. Yes. I mean, they've built a great team. A lot of it is that they've got the quarterback and you know, the quarterback, uh, my pick was, this is a really close game, but I'll go with Kansas city primarily because they have the better quarterback and all else being equal. And that's the way it turned out. Honestly. That is, that is. And of course they built a great team. Unbelievable draft class. But they've built a great team otherwise. Yes, they had a great draft class this year. Reed is a great coach. There are great players on defense. Although Chris Jones, maybe he was sick this week because he was not like he was not making waves last night. He was not making waves. The Eagles were running in opposite directions. He didn't have that signature game that we've seen in the past. But you know who did? Pacheco, Sky Moore. Yeah. Okay. And like while he's not a rookie, Kadarius Tony coming in as a guy you grabbed off the you know, off the way. Nick Bolton, Nick Bolton, you know, I wrote in the preview about how he's not that good in pass coverage, but the Eagles never really tested him in pass coverage. But against the run, he was fantastic. And he got the fumble on Hertz and returned that for a touchdown. And he returned the other one for a touchdown that turned out to not be a fumble. What, what do you think about the issue of what's a catch, by the way? Because I feel like I tweeted last night that I don't know if there's any way to get away from this kind of Talmudic parsing of the video. Like, as long as we have instant replay, as long as, as long as we have instant replay, 
there are going to be these catches that once you go back and look at the at the film, they're gonna oh the ball moved slightly oh yeah, yeah. it feels a little freaky like you want just a catch to be a catch and I'm sure for people who are not hardcore football fans, having the Super Bowl uh, interrupted for that sucks and yet I don't know how you stop it. You know, a couple of years ago they settled it down a lot. What's a catch disappeared for a couple. Of Goodell said at one of his press conferences, I want to try to fix this. And he kind of told the, uh, the replay officials to have a sort of a light touch. And for a couple of years, there were a lot less what, what's a catch uh, incidents, like 2019, 2020. And one of the things that, that they did was the little microscopic movement of the ball at the ground, which they seemed to obsess over. They kind of just took that out of it. And they said, you know what? The ball can move a little bit when the guy's heading to the ground. So the solution is there. And one of the most basic solutions, again, Mike Pereira used to say this all the time, is stands is your friend. If you look at it and it and you don't see something overwhelming, that's what it's supposed to be, something overwhelming, stands, go, play the game, okay? None of what we see in these overturns is usually overwhelming, okay? Yeah. It is usually, oh, the 11th review, we caught something. And that becomes a culture. That's a culture among the replay officials and the officials. And at this point, it is – the culture has like moved, like it is. It has moved over the course of this year. What we saw, so you know, the league office can can get control over it by basically saying, "Look, have a light touch on these overturns, and let them play football." And I know they can do it because they did do it. They just forgot about it. Yeah. All right. I think that that does it for our big Super Bowl wrap up. We've talked about the Super Bowl. We've talked about next year. Yes. It was a good I had a good season. I enjoyed my season. Picking the Eagles was good in the preseason. <laughs> I mean, I made money off of you picking the Eagles for the over-under on wins and for the division. And then I sort of backed off on the Super Bowl projection, but that those were a couple of good wins there. We had a good week in the we had a good week in in, uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, we had a good week in Phoenix. Uh enjoyed our time here. Uh yeah. Uh, it was good to see other reporters, and uh, it was good to hear from the Kansas City defensive backs on media night. That was fun. It was fun running around on media night again. That was that was a good show, yeah. And Radio Row was – you complained earlier in the week that Radio Row wasn't hopping. Radio Row was hopping. Um, and it on- got hopping later in the week, definitely. I think part of it is because Radio Row is so much podcasts now, Yes, it's not that the radio station doesn't sit there all day. Right. right. The podcast comes in, sets mm-hmm. up at its table, does its podcast, yes. takes its stuff away and leaves. Right. Right. And then, so you have these empty spaces in between. And I don't. Well, anyway, I, I have theories about why why you would do it that way. Like I'd sit there all day and try to slurp VIPs as they walk through to come be on the podcast. But, you know. Right. But most of the VIPs were there Wednesday and Thursday. Anyway, it was exciting for me because. Apparently, Chris Sims fell off of the PFT uh, 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 stage that they have. Like he took a step back when he was uh, saying goodbye to somebody and went ass over teacups down onto the floor, like eight feet below. And he's fine. He was fine. But a couple minutes later, I sat in the exact same seat Chris was in. All right. So I had a dream of maybe taking a tumble and suing the convention center or NBC or somebody like that. And then like... Never have to work a day in my life again because I wouldn't survive that fall. I would be, I would be messed up. You're not in as good a shape as Chris Sims, former NFL quarterback. Not quite a former NFL quarterback. No, no. But uh, you know, you see it all on Meteor Row. 
All right. want to thank everybody for uh, watching the live streams all throughout the season. Thank everybody for listening to the podcast all throughout the season. Uh, we'll continue with Thursday shows covering news from throughout the league. I think we're starting this Thursday. <sighs> okay. Uh, I mean, no, Mike, yeah. <laughs> Mike and I, Mike and I at 1 PM Eastern on Thursdays covering news throughout the league. And there'll be also one more news show with Jackson and kale on Wednesday at 1 PM. And draft stuff should start soon. We'll let you know when uh, that's going to happen as well. So keep following Football Outsiders for that news. All right. For Mike Tanier, I'm Aaron Schatz in Phoenix. Thank you so much for listening to us all year long. And uh, congratulations to the Chiefs. Congratulations.